Welcome to another episode of Bringing Down the Grindhouse, a podcast where we discuss horror in media. And today we'll be discussing Grindhouse Double Feature, Planet Terror, and Death Proof. I'm Mitch. I'm Mer. And I'm Jonathan. So, I've never actually seen either of these two movies before. Up until we... Up until, like, literally last night. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Wait, so you, did you watch them, like, how you were supposed to? Just, like, back-to-back? Back-to-back, yep. Fuck yeah. Just watched them back-to-back on one. I actually took a break to play Grim Dawn. Okay. And then I went and watched it. So that, I guess, was then. And then we watched all of the trailers, which are great. Right. We, like, just so a good. few minutes ago, we watched them again. I was uh, able to watch them sandwiched. So I did the whole, like, how you're supposed to do it. Like, not even getting up to get, like, yeah, same. food or drink. Just, like, watching straight up three and a half hours of movie. It, it was really nice uh, and charming for them to bring us back to a time when grindhouse movies and exploitation films were done in this way because that's really what they tried to emulate with both of these movies was creating that atmosphere again and it hits the marks exponentially oh yeah they're really fucking good for what they are and they did a really good job of giving you that look and feel for it going so far as to actually damage some of the film when they were editing it so that it would have that look on screen I mean, we've got we've got Planet Terror directed by uh, Robert Rodriguez, and we've got Death Proof written and directed by Tarantino. I believe Rodriguez also wrote uh, Planet Terror. He did as well. so much stuff for his film. He was the director of, of cinematography. He wrote the musical score. He co-edited it, and he co-produced the film with Tarantino. Oh. So it was like each film was really their own, except for the fact that Tarantino was pretty much on Rodriguez's set most of the time and assisted yeah. him a whole lot, whereas. Rodriguez didn't really help Tarantino all that much besides helping him choose the name. Yeah. Uh, I, I really enjoyed um, both of these films uh, for, for different reasons, but um, just similar to how alien and aliens was, which we just discussed last week. Right. Uh, you can definitely tell the difference in directing styles as well as writing too. It's a big difference. They're very uh, clearly very, they're very different movies. Uh, Tarantino got a lot of flack for his dialogue. They felt like most of it was expository and way too long for the movie. But I've seen a lot of his movies, and that's kind of his thing. Yeah, yeah. that's kind of. How <laughs> it is. Have, you, have you ever seen uh, Reservoir Dogs? Where right. They just talk about drug deals that gone have gone wrong. People the opening scene. Other people, <laughs> like what is it? They're talking about like coffee and like whether or not they should tip the waitress. Yeah, that too. <laughs> It's like you got to fucking tip. Like they go on on this thing for it's, it's like tangent. fifteen it's like, minutes long. Yeah. <laughs> it's what Quentin Tarantino does along with feet shots. Um, oh yeah, if you couldn't tell, Death Proof was literally foot fetish. Like the whole fucking well, thing. I mean, every movie. I counted six uh, feet shots in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood last year in the theater. I was just like, I should start counting that God. too. Now that when I watch his shit, I'm like, there's got to be more. Yeah, and then there's the meme going around. It's like, keep your socks on. Quentin Tarantino could be anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> He starts death proof with a shot of feet, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Yep. It's like Absolutely. through the da- through the dash while mm-hmm. she has her feet up. That's fucking awesome. Oh, man. Uh, just some quick stuff about the films. Uh, death proof was made on a really small budget. It was like ten point nine million, um, or actually, it probably was made for less than that. That was what it made in the box office. But there's specific reasons for that. But I'll get to that in just a sec. I just wanted to remind people. Who it stars. It has Rose McGowan, who you've seen in a bunch of other films. It also has Josh Brolin, Bruce <laughs> Willis, Stacey Ferguson, aka Fergie. You mean you mean we're talking about Planet Terror. Yeah, right Planet now. Terror. Yeah. Tom Savini and then Quentin Tarantino, who shows up in a really small role. 
I love that he goes into his own movies though. He's done it ever he since. He always his does first. it. Yeah. And he's never really like a huge role. Yeah, like he's like, yeah, I'm cool with just being that extra that delivers a package. Like, yeah, exactly. It's kind of like that Stan Lee of things, but like Right. When you see Quentin Tarantino, he's probably gonna get a couple voice lines too, though. <laughs> you know, I think one of my favorite ones of his in a movie is probably his Django Unchained yeah, where cameo he at the end where he gets blown up. Yeah, it's so good. He's, he's like, Australian. Yeah, he's Australian. <laughs> It's great. And he's like, uh, you know, he's like a, a really dumb Australian, which mm-hmm. is so weird. And then like in Django, like somehow sets off the TNT with him and then escapes and goes back. And that's how the film continues. It's so great. Mm-hmm. But I loved that bit because it seemed so out of the film and brought in for no other reason than to have Quentin Tarantino in his own film. <laughs> but I mean, it worked out fine. <laughs> And then in, in Death Proof, Death Proof has uh, Tarantino himself. He's like the bartender. Eli Roth, Kurt, I'm sorry, Kurt Russell, Rosario Dawson, Rose McGowan, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Zoe Bell is herself, which is hilarious, and Vanessa Ferlito. She, those are all, are all of the main characters in it. And Zoe Bell was actually brought into it as a main character because she was a stunt double for Uma Thurman in Kill Bill. Yeah, they, they kind of look like they have a similar thing. Yeah, I mean, maybe their body type, but not so much their face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, because when you're doing stunts, it doesn't really it matter. It doesn't matter. They're I mean, like, yeah. And the thing is, they even talk about stunt people in the Death Proof later on. Oh, yeah. Well, Death Proof is centered around Quentin Tarantino's, like, fascination with Death Proof cars that they used to use in old crash scenes, where they would basically reinforce the entire car so they could just run into a brick wall and be all right. Have, like, a bunch of chicken wire, a bunch of uh, stuff that... Yeah, like you said, reinforce it, like, even more stainless steel. Like, the glass box for the cameraman. Everything that's basically making it a killdozer. Shout out to killdozer. Killdozer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we love you. If you don't know what that is, just go Google it real Google, quick. Google killdozer, and you'll learn a fun story. Poor blue wall, uh, collar worker. <laughs> but I digress. He's just trying to run his muffler shop. Um, it was also, like, the thing is, with Quentin Tarantino, you get a lot of influences from a lot of things you got the samurai movies you got the uh over the top cowboy movies uh the dumb like b-roll horror movies and of course like we didn't really you don't really think about it but quentin tarantino would also watch those drive-in movies where they have a bunch of fucking 50s kids driving and drag racing and shit yep and so like a lot of these scenes they kind of feel like drag races but like with a killer behind them I mean, it makes sense. You could see what kind of time period he grew up in and what he, what they were both trying to emulate with it. And by combining them and releasing them together, they were kind of helping each other out as well because I don't think each film would have done quite so well if it wasn't released in this way and if they were just trying to make a straight movie by themselves. It's a lot of fun to have them both together and to have the same vibe that you get from them. But there was, like, a lot of other stuff going on sort of in production. Like, with Robert Rodriguez, he had, like, a beef with Harvey Weinstein, who was the person who was, like, basically funding his movie. So, at the time, he uh, Robert Rodriguez was dating Rose McGowan. And he starred her in the film because he knew it would piss him off. And Rose McGowan had accused Harvey Weinstein of sexual assault. And we all know he's he was, like, I don't know if he's been convicted yet, but he's on trial really still yeah he's still on trial for that shit so uh, yeah court anyways, systems take forever to get anything done he blacklisted uh, rose mcgowan and didn't want her in any films after that and so robert rodriguez started her anyway and so what he did in response was cut his ad budget which is why this movie didn't really get that much spread around because he cut all of his ads 
mean, either of them. Like, yeah. Them and then by association, feature. Death Proof didn't do so well either on the box office because no one knew about it. I mean, they they barely made their money back from what I saw. Yeah. So uh, Death it? Proof was like $30 million budget, only made 30.7 back in the box office. Wow. So it's like they barely broke wow. even on that movie. Despite Brutal. despite both of the films having really positive reviews, like most people love them, and then they became instant cult classic films for people. I mean, when you have people in the Academy Awards making jokes about how scummy Hollywood is to everyone, yeah, exactly. Home, I mean, it's just a thing that's just been occurring for years. And Harvey Weinstein is a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> fuck Harvey Weinstein. What a piece of shit. <laughs> yep. I agree with this. <laughs> but yeah, so that was some real life drama actually caused the films to not do as well because of some personal beef that was going on. But besides that, enough people have watched it at this point, especially once it got released with their extended versions. So within the films, they actually have these scenes where they say there's a missing reel. And for Rodriguez's <laughs> film, there actually it, there was nothing there. Like they didn't film anything for it. But for Death Proof, there actually is a scene. There's the lap dance that is given by Butterfly, I think, is her character, to Stuntman Mike. And you can watch it in the extended version. <laughs> oh, it's yes. A full dance to the song Down in Mexico. Um, I, you, okay, so you didn't watch the extended unrated version? No, I did. I watched oh, okay. it. I watched the, the extended thing is, unrated I was ones. able to get a copy of the dual pack unrated un- extended. Oh, fuck yeah. So, like, I was able to see that. I just thought, assumed that was in the movie. Oh, yeah. So, but- the- effectively though they do do a cut like that even with the extended cut yeah so so tarantino mentioned that he cut it down like how they would cut down films before where they would tell them it's too long it has to be cut down it's gonna be a double feature it's gonna go into this grindhouse uh, theater so just cut it off and he did the same cutting with death proof for the grindhouse double feature but then he did his extended release for uh, a film festival and then that's the first time people got to watch the extended version by itself and so each one has its own extended version. The Planet Terror one just has extra scenes, which are just more violent gore scenes. Yes. <laughs> so if you wanted to watch both extended versions, it's definitely worth it. You get to see all of the extra things that they had to cut for the double feature because they didn't want it to be like over four hours. So they decided to just do shorter versions of their film. For Death Proof, I feel like it works really well for uh, the short version of the film. Even though the extra version is cool and to see all the extras, I think it did really well with its pacing when it was cut. Yeah, and the thing is with the uh, Planet Terror cut as well, it's just kind of funny because it's it's right before two main characters are about to have sex. And uh, the yeah, thing, you just it, assume it, they they go far with that cut because like the entire building is set on fire. It's shit's getting overrun. <laughs> it's just like, oh, that would have been cool to see how that happened. No, it, you don't care. You're just like sick. Everything is shit's hitting the fan and it's happening with that missing reel with the little white circle as well. Yeah. Cause it, they're changing. Well, I guess uh, they even talked about how we were supposed to assume kind of what happened in that scene and everyone kind of just assumes that they had sex, but it was also for the comfort of Rose McGowan and Robert Rodriguez. They didn't want to have a sex scene uh, with his girlfriend and him having to watch. <laughs> so you did not want to film that, but it should be stated that later on Rose McGowan, felt like she had been exploited for the film because of the way that he placed her character and the possibility of her being sexually assaulted in the film as well. But he argued back that she was able to kill all of these predatory men later in the film. So it's up to people to decide how they feel about the film mm-hmm. itself and whether or not she was exploited. But, I mean, we'll talk about it in just a bit. I mean, this is an exploitation film. Yeah. So it's kind of it's the kind of part of the genre 
it's like we're ramping up blood, gore, sex, violence, and uh, I mean, in older Grindhouse movies, uh, like racism and fucking all kinds of shit. I mean, like when we were talking about Toxic Avenger, child yeah. murder, animal murder. I mean, this is just where you get into those kind of like almost almost snuff grade stuff, but not really. It's just like a comedic take for like snuff stuff for just people who have that kind of stuff in their mind. Oh, it, it's gotcha, sort yeah. of like the for, it's over the top for the sake of being over the top. Oh yeah, Which and that's is, really yeah. like and that's really what it is. Like this is so fucking ridiculous that you just like laugh your ass off at it. Basically, I would ways. say Planet Terror is definitely more ridiculous in that yes, sense than Death absolutely. Proof is. Yeah. Death Proof is more believable to me. Yeah, it's always like and with a lot of Tarantino movies, he kind of grounds stuff. Yeah. Like a lot and whatnot. I think that's usually with his dialogue choices and things like that as well. Like it just feels like people bullshitting like how they do bullshit. With I think the only one I've seen from Tarantino that didn't seem that way to me was Kill Bill because it was meant to be like this epic that he had created. But other than that, all the rest of them seem pretty believable up until he like subverts what you're expecting for the film, like in Inglorious Bastards where the ending is not what it actually is, and they get to actually murder Adolf Hitler. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just like he completely changes stuff that way. Either way, they were both good. And really, what? so what did you guys think? Like, what were your initial thoughts when you watched both of them? Um, I saw – here's the thing, though. I saw Machete first when uh, <laughs> before I saw Planet Terror. Oh, really? Shit. Okay. So me, like, knowing like, – So this what, is what several this is years be, later. Yeah, this is several years later. I mean, Machete was a fake – trailer in between right that they made into a movie and, yeah uh, so in between the two films are these trailers that they made which are all fake trailers for fake movies and they try to include them because that's what would happen in a double feature you would get trailers for other films and then even ads for like something next door like a food place or just you know go watch this television program or something like that so they're able to insert ads buy this soap <laughs> yeah something weird it was usually something local to the area for those right. grindhouse theaters because the thing is, you're not going to get a big theater to do this. You got to get your, you know, mom and pop, like, after hours. Like, right. have, their, have, like, some, like, 17-year-old kid just like, yeah, let's put this crazy-ass movie on for people. Um, But what were we talking about? I mean, do you feel like they do well as a double feature? Like, do they complement each other? Were they meant to be put together? I felt that the aesthetic, like, burning clips, cut cut film the film grain the intros as well with the night the classic music it all hits these notes about hey i'm watching something that's supposed to look like it's from the 70s right and aesthetic wise it does it right i felt that death proof obviously is a more mature film but planet terror was just that over the top like i'm having fun i don't give a fuck like i am literally just putting my brain on the ground right now just to watch this movie like i'm not going to question things yeah, I, I I think I agree with Mer on that one. Like, it did a good job of capturing that '70s aesthetic. But as far as films go, and if they complement each other well, I feel like there's a drastic difference in uh, exploitation, if you will. Like, it's it's a lot like like the Tarantino one's much more grounded. Death Proof's more grounded, whereas Planet Terror is Planet Terror is that over the top that you're looking for when it comes to grindhouse sort of things. And same with the pacing, like Death Proof is a slow burn until you get about 45 minutes in, and then it crescendos, and then it's another <laughs> slow burn into the next. Death Proof, the movie doesn't actually start until like an hour into the movie. 
Yeah. <laughs> because it, of the way they did the story. It, it's definitely it definitely feels like two separate stories mm-hmm. in one. Because that that is exactly what yeah. it is. And it just they kind of build the same way that Tarantino does right. in most of his films. He wanted to just introduce I think he wanted to really introduce who Kurt Russell was as Stuntman Mike. And he's even commented how people have kind of forgotten about Kurt Russell. And he was a huge movie star in the seventies and eighties. Like he was amazing in most of the films that he was in and then people watched this and kind of forgot who he was and didn't really know like what kind of acting he could do i didn't even know it was kurt russell (laughs) (laughs) i fucking love his character in this film because you can tell that he's just like he's a fucking asshole and he's definitely playing another badass character like he did before and he's just really old well older he's not that old (laughs) yeah but it was still entertaining to watch i feel like they did well as a double feature but I, I did like Death Proof more because I felt like the pacing was better. I felt like Planet Terror was really rushed. And there was too many things happening and being shoved into one film. Whereas Death Proof was such a contained story that all you really cared about was the three girls that were there. And whether or not they were going to survive the film. Whereas the other one, you're like, there's too many people. Or at least for me is what I felt when I was watching it. I mean, everybody in Planet Terror gets capped at some point right. or another. Most of them do. So you're just like, how long is this character actually going to be on screen? How long is this? I, <laughs> I, I, I have, I do have to agree. I think I, I am still kind of like juggling with which film I enjoyed more of the two of them. I'm still sort of juggling around in my head at the moment. Yeah. Uh, the thing is with Death Proof, everyone has to compare it to other Quentin Tarantino films, and that's like, yeah, on d- yeah. a different plane of existence, in my opinion. They're very similar in the in the fact that they have. Quentin Tarantino's staples, but it's supposed to be a grindhouse film. It's not supposed to be something like compare that to like fucking what was Inglorious Bastards or uh, what was the movie Django Unchained? They they couldn't be like any more different in the terms of being like what they were going for. Right. Like I don't see them on the same thing. Like that's why people say Death Proof is the worst Tarantino film. Uh, I don't know about that, but okay. <laughs> what is the worst Tarantino film? Uh, I don't know. I think, honestly, I think the worst one is Hateful Eight. Not because the story is terrible or that, like, it wasn't enjoyable. Mm. It's just the story itself. I didn't care for it. Like, I don't care about these people in this seen, cabin. I haven't about seen what's Jackie going on. Brown, so I can't give Oh, Jackie Brown's it. fucking amazing. Like, yeah, that is, I like, like, I enjoy that's Jackie up Brown there a lot. for me for one of the best ones. But also, like, yeah, no, watching Hateful Eight, I think I was just annoyed that they were only in that cabin for two and a half hours. Yeah, it was, I mean, not to get too off topic, but yeah, I, I agree, Hateful Eight was, like, kind of bored me a little bit, to be honest. Like, it had, like, the, the standard yeah. you know, what, and I also standard didn't like dialogue the ending. and everything. I didn't but... like the ending at all. Yeah. I, I felt like it builds up to kind of nothing. But I liked the dialogue. I liked the way that yeah. they interacted with each other. Either way, I digress from hating the Hateful Eight. <laughs> and I, and really i think i think one of the better ones was definitely like kill bill jackie brown uh pulp fiction things like that i love django and chain because it's probably the only one he has that has a happy ending true i think the rest of them they all have terrible endings yeah like stuff just goes bad for everyone or like yeah stuff goes bad or actually yeah stuff pretty much goes bad for everyone in all of the films he's ever made because there, there isn't really any um, even well, I guess Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is te- technically. A I actually happy haven't ending. seen that yet. Uh, eh. I, for one, like the Hateful Eight a lot. It's here's the thing: you, you're you're gonna complain about the runtime. I get it. Oh no, yeah, you're yeah. Complain yeah. about the setting. I get it. But from story wise, shout yeah. out to Aiden. 
uh, <laughs> it has a lot of great things going for it when shit hits the fan. And that's the thing with all Quentin Tarantino films, mm. especially with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. The entire movie, you don't really know where you're going. And then, like, at oh my the God. end is when you finally get a crazy-ass I feel scene. so strongly about that movie. It was an hour too long. You could have cut out the whole middle of that movie, and it would have been fine. Like, I don't, like, I don't need, the, what's his name? Having, um manson in the film with all of his followers like i get why it mattered at the end but you could have cut out so much shit with hanging out with them i personally like reservoir dogs the best that's a good fucking movie though yeah i mean i could just i could watch that shit all day yeah well that was like his debut so he was just like he was trying really fucking hard with that film and you kind of got introduced to what his style was which is what you see in death proof he has a lot of dialogue. He has a lot of expository dialogue where it tells you about these characters by what they're discussing and what's going to happen at some point and why certain things matter to these characters. Like, obviously, the stuntman is... T- he's literally telling people what he does and how he does things. He's kind of explaining how he's a killer and no one really even notices because they're just like, look at this crazy old man who's just telling me about that. Although my favorite thing is when people ask him, they're like, what really they're like, what's your name? And they ask the bartender and he's like, Stuntman Mike. <laughs> like, that's his name. And no one really questions them on it. But, you know, uh, really what I wanted to get to was Tarantino described Death Proof as a slasher film. So how do you think Kurt Russell did as the slasher? I don't think I would call Death Proof a slasher film, really. I don't think it follows the formula as closely as some slasher films do. Like, 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 like we'll go like black Christmas or any of like the, you know, right. Friday the 13th, Jason. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I wouldn't call it a slasher film. First off, I feel like he's a little remiss in calling it that. It's more <laughs> of just like a killer who tries to do it again, but it's, I don't know. It just doesn't follow the same formula. It's a little bit different. I wouldn't call it a slasher either especially because he sucks at it yeah like he he he's successful with it at the beginning when he does get those first girls but then it gets completely turned on its head which is kind of a positive thing that all of the girls end up surviving it anyway but it's still like he's not really like a good slasher most of the slashers in the films they're really good and successful in what they're doing and in this case he kind of wasn't so i wonder if he was trying to just subvert that and create a slasher that was kind of hapless i like uh kurt russell as he's a bad slasher in this of course right give that opinion out but i like it for originality just having a death proof car just being like hey and a stuntman who wants to do this shit like they're safe but on my side of the fucking car right like (laughs) that's such a good scene by the way that's probably up there with one of my favorite scenes when he's explaining to her what's going to happen and she's stuck in the little box next to him and he keeps like swerving the car so she hits the sides of the thing and then finally breaks and then just breaks her nose that's so fucked up yeah yeah no she like almost caves her whole face in right and uh it's just crazy especially when uh i obviously the part where they go down the highway he turns his beams off and then he just goes 200 miles per hour into the girls that was such a good scene that might be my favorite scene from death proof because you get to see they replay it every single time you get to see a different girl and what happened to them. So like one girl gets it's a fucking tire to her face. <laughs> Another girl goes flying out the fucking window. Another girl gets her leg cut off. So it's just like you get to see everything that happens and then his car just kind of flips and rotates and the worst thing that happens to him is like a fracture. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like in the hospital, yeah, which is really funny to see. And it's it's funny because they're just like, oh, you weren't on any drugs? Must have just been an accident. Right. Doesn't <laughs> believe him. What's great is the crossover for the universes in this moment. So you have the two hospital people. So you have Josh Brolin's character and his wife, who's also a doctor. They're in Planet Terror as well. So like... I have to believe then that both films are really close to each other, cities over, maybe even the same city of what's going on. And then in this, like the cinematic universe, they exist together. That Planet Terror and Death Proof are in the same cinematic universe. So they kind of blended their stuff together. Also, the cop who shows up, the sheriff and his son, are actual father and son, and they're in Kill Bill. Oh, what? They show up in the first one when, the, when they're like looking at the scene of where the bride was killed. It's the same cop and son, and they're both cops. Interesting. And they're completely ridiculous. They don't know what's going on, and they just assume, like, random shit. They're bad cops is really oh, what it is. I re- that's a really great scene. Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> they're just like, Dad, he, you know he killed those people, right? It's right. Like, well, I could spend all my time chasing this guy down, trying to bag him for life, or I could spend the next three weeks just watching NASCAR. Right, because he does not give a fuck about these people. <laughs> and like, so, yeah. All those girls were intoxicated, and they were smoking weed, and, well, this guy got out lucky, I guess. Just like, yep. <laughs> Yeah, it's fucked up. I guess, really, what the what I was getting at for Death Proof is, are the girls in the film technically final girls? The ones at the end. Yeah. Yeah. And, here, and here's the thing. It takes a stunt woman to kill a stunt man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's a good fucking point. Yeah, that's a really good point, it's, actually. She also plays herself. She plays Zoe Bell as a stunt woman. So yep. it's like she ends up being herself, and she is one of the main characters. She was on the title card when they were presenting it with Kurt Russell, Rose McGowan, and Zoe Bell. So it's interesting that that's a good point. I didn't even think about that when I was watching it. My favorite scene is when they do the, the belt thing. and On the roof of the car? Yeah. I mean... What do they? What it's do impressive. they call it? They call it something. Uh, she wants to play mast of the ship. Yeah, I believe mast. is what it's called. Something like yeah, that. The mast of the ship. Yeah, yep. and so you have this scene. It's incredible when Kurt Russell's ch- uh, chasing them, and, and this girl's flopping all over the hood of the car, like near death. Yeah, like, honestly, <laughs> like as long as she's holding for like on, fifteen she's minutes fine. while they're doing the chase. Incredible chases, by the way, with a bunch of collisions that don't kill these people for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> that so, must have been really hard to fucking film too. So many times I was just like, I've seen this clip in everything. Like this is this is what the movie's about. This is like this scene right here with the chasing. Like the next fifteen minutes are just gonna be gold. I already know. Yeah, and it certain, was really good. Certain points I was just like, yo, you could just fucking slow down or break, and just like let the guy go forward. I don't know. And then when they finally get the upper hand, she's like, all right, time to fuck this guy in the ass. Right. <laughs> I assume that they probably thought he had, like, a weapon in the car or something. Dude, he was such a bitch when he got shot. That was so fucking funny. Yeah. He's just, like, screaming. Oh, no. And then... <laughs> like, okay, we see the, how big the bullet is. It's, like a, it's probably, like, a 9 mil or something. This is yeah. a super tiny piece. He will shooter. survive this gunshot. <laughs> it's, in, it's in his arm. It's not vital or anything. <laughs> He's like, fuck, fuck. He's just throwing it's bourbon so on it. It's so funny when he throws it on there and is like trying to not panic. And then they fucking show up and he's like, fuck, fuck. And he's like trying to turn the car on. It's so funny to watch him just like unravel for the rest of the film while he tries to get away from them in the second half. It's so fucking I mean, funny. I mean, the ending scene of that movie is hilarious. Just straight beating him up. Yeah, they just beat him up, but it's all how it's cut and everything as right. well. So it's just like repetitious, like kicks and punches and things like that as they and just go full circle on him. Angles too. Yeah, 
But it also does that with the initial like explosion death with yes. all the four girls. Like yep. you see him pull the lights on, and then you see every girl die every one time at, he does one it, at, one at a time. Like what was it? The, the wheel goes through the uh, butterfly's face. Uh, one of the chicks gets completely ejected from the car and just like yep. mangled. And then uh, a the leg chick, goes flying. That chick literally exploded with like chunks of gore everywhere. I love the random ass fucking doll that they sent through the windshield of a car. Because <laughs> you can tell that it's just a dummy that gets mm-hmm. thrown through the windshield. And the shit is way too funny to watch. And it, it worked well for the Grindhouse like vibe. Like You got to see some violence that you could tell was really fake. Mm-hmm. I don't think anything in this was believable violence. Except for maybe like some of the punching and shooting in Death Proof. But either way, it was still funny, which actually is going to bring me right to the next question I had, which was Rodriguez felt like his film needed to be a zombie revival film, that he wanted to create something that was really similar to what he had seen before. Do you feel like he did what he was set out he to do? He absolutely nailed it. Yeah. It, he absolutely nailed it. They're mutant zombies, man. Yeah. Like That's like the whole deal. Also, Bruce Willis yeah. just shows up out of fucking nowhere. And then yeah, it's like the gas, on. the gas yeah. that they use to keep themselves from turning and whatnot. And also, the weird dude who likes to cut off nuts. Like, yeah, that, <laughs> what the fuck? He has the big, like the tank. He has the jar. <laughs> Where are your men? Right oh. here. I love, I love when it gets broken and he's like scrambling to pick all. Yeah, of them up. all the. Like, oh, I gotta get all, all my the balls, the balls, all the balls. One of them like lands in his mouth too. Yeah, oh, it's, it's just so <laughs> awful. Uh, I felt like. Uh, while I did enjoy Planet Terror as a zombie film, I still felt like it was rushed. And I know I mentioned it earlier. I just, mm-hmm. I maybe I feel like stuff should have been cut out, or it should have been a little bit longer, just because they were trying to fit in so much. Or maybe they should have just cut out like the whole love story, I, and it would have been chill. I don't know. I can't figure out what what needed to be done with it for me to like it. <laughs> they do a lot of things correct that you should do in zombie films. Right. The, the outbreak going through a. Uh, hospital yeah and i think it's really fun because it's just like look at all these fucking people like how many people are infected today and then like they're talking in scientific terms about this guy and they're saying you have gangrene but you've had gangrene for like two weeks and you just came in and there he's like no i i got this like now yeah like, though, he's like ago. yeah he's like just yesterday like what the fuck and they're like it's not supposed to be like that <laughs> well there's something they're wrong mutations and like i love uh when they're like we gotta cut his arm off what do you, what do you mean my right arm? right right <laughs> they skip right to it also the the doctor i can't remember her name but she's great in these scenes where she's talking about how she has her little friends which is the three syringes which will like make you go to sleep like not feel pain like all these other things and then eventually gets used against her when her, her husband finds out that she's cheating on him with like her ex-girlfriend or something like that because mm-hmm. they're texting each other which i think is fergie isn't it yeah it's fergie it's fergie okay yeah. i wasn't i wasn't i go I'm, I'm not too familiar with that artist so i yeah. yeah so the girl that shows up in town who like needs help with her car and shit she oh, is yeah, yeah, she is yeah. the one who's with this woman and is who she's cheating on her husband with and then he he somehow manages to get both of their phones together because she gets killed like on the road somewhere and then gets brought into the hospital and then he finds her phone finds his wife's phone and then literally puts them together in one scene and is like yep you guys are texting each other and then he uses those needles on her so she loses all of her hand function and it's so fucked up because she tries to open her door and then breaks her wrist in the process cuz she slips and falls Aww. <laughs> It's such a fucked up scene for yeah. that one. Yeah, I, it's all coming back to me now. 
Also, the little kid uh, just caps himself in this movie. Yo, right? Like, the fucking <laughs> kid shoots himself. <laughs> but you don't see it. But it's still, like, it's it's heavily implied that this kid has just shot himself. Yeah, she's like, I need you to point this gun at anything that isn't me. And remember not to point at yourself. And then she closes the door, walks two feet. Doosh! You're like, oh, did the kid really just <laughs> fucking do that? Yes, yes, he did. And that's when she goes back to try to open the door and fucks herself up. I got to say, Tom Savini, super funny character in this one. I don't know what his name was, but he was fucking up so hard. Just like accidentally shooting fucking civilians, shooting several officers on accident. <laughs> Loses his finger at one point, I think, and is just flipping the fuck out because he's such a bad cop. I love that Tom Savini is in so many fucking movies. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I I think I I agree with John that Planet Terror is very rushed because it like you don't get time enough time to comprehend what's happened in it. No, but not I feel at like all. that's I feel that's kind of the, the fun of it. Yeah, but that's kind of part of the part of the deal with these with these grindhouse movies and especially with Planet Terror in particular is they're trying to get to the action as quickly as possible, right? And get to all of the ridiculous shit, which is what kind of like your trauma films follow as well, just like. How much oh, yeah, ridiculous yeah. shit can we put in one fucking movie? Well, it's like the the things that we're supposed to care about are throwaway line movies. So it's like the biochem. Oh, that's a biochemist. Okay, I explain it in one line. Now we're gonna go do the thing. Okay, bam, biochemist is dead. Wait, yeah. what? What? Is it? <laughs> <laughs> now we don't have a solution. Fuck. Yeah, yeah, we're all fucked. I do like how they go all doomsday near the end where, like, civilization right. is just completely fucking done. But they have a nice villa by the sea. Oh, yeah. Totally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very convenient. Very convenient for the Build film. something with your back against the water. <laughs> like, just <laughs> It looked like some shit from uh, Peru. Like, some of those ancient Mayan Right, temples. right. It really did. Uh, which kind of reminded me of, what is it, from, from Dust Till Dawn? Mm. Yes, where it, where it ends up being like a. Yeah, we got to do an episode on that too. Yeah, we definitely do an episode on that one. Tom Savini's in that too. Yep, and Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> yeah, totally. Fucking uh, wait, that was God. Who was the lead character? I should um, know this. George Clooney. George Clooney. Yeah, George Clooney and Quentin Tarantino are brothers, <laughs> which is so fucking weird. They look nothing alike. But anyway, uh, how do you feel that these two films were truly horror, if at all? Or were they more? Thriller? I mean, you've got the the idea that oh, this stuntman could be like hiding amongst people and you know planning the doom of some other people. So you have that horror and death proof. Mostly, mostly just women. He was kind of just hunting women. Yeah, there's that. <laughs> yeah, there's that as well. Just you know doing the whole thing. I think it's really horrifying from for death proof, anyways. Just like the actual, just a guy trying to go out kill people, kill women specifically, targeting, and like going out of his way, like. You know, chasing them down miles and miles of highway just so you could, like, kill them. But also, I think it has a little bit to do with the horrific fact of people who go to bars. Kind of just like, hey, I need a ride from you, but please don't rape or kill me. Right. As it well, really yeah. touched on a lot of fears that are currently present within our society, which include, are you going to be all right if you're by yourself? Are you going to be okay if you're in a bar? Uh, what are the chances you're going to meet a guy who wants to hurt you, rape you, kill you, any one of the above? because of the culture that's kind of spread around. So it does touch on some sensitive things, but in a much different way than is expected. So there was a trailer for a movie that is coming out this year. Right. Um, I saw it in theaters a while back, side note, just to, to go off that bar stuff. So in the trailer, the woman pretends to be drunk and oh, lures people yeah. to her house. And then 
they're like, oh, I got you. I'm such a nice guy. Like, let me help you. And then the minute that, like, she's in her bed, they try to, like, go down on her or, like, rape her. And then she's like, what are you doing? And they're like, no, oh, no, you're good. You're good. And, she, and she's, like, stone cold sober, just like, what the fuck are you doing? And she's like, no, I'm a nice guy. Like, don't, don't like, accuse me of this stuff. And it's like, you're trying to put your mouth on my fucking parts. And I'm not awake. okay with like, that. Like, she then then she brings out a tally book and like there's like a hundred plus checks in there. So yeah, it's just she's like, just luring and murdering. You these can people. never trust people in bars. People are shady. People have their own agendas that they want to run. And the thing is, going to bars in my twenties, I see that a lot, especially with a lot of older people. Like they don't understand. Like a lot of people in this generation, they're a lot of more sex positive than prior, and like they don't need to be sexualized for that. They are just doing their thing. They are wearing what they want to wear. They are. Oh, I see. Yeah. They are wearing what they want to wear. They are loving who they want to love. They are doing their thing, and you do not need to intrude on that because it does not include you, unless they want it to include you. Well said. Agreed. And the first part of Death Proof is mostly set in that bar. So it does kind of include what happens. You even have a smaller story within the story where Eli Roth's character and the other guy are trying to get invited to the girl's little cabin that they're going to go to for a retreat, which they already agreed to that they're not going to invite any men to. So they're like trying to booze them up and get them to invite them over. So that what you're describing actually does play out in the film Mm -hmm. and doesn't really work out for them very well. Because they end up not getting invited, and then these girls get murdered. So, (laughs) or at least, no, yeah, yeah, they all get murdered. (laughs) I'm like, I don't think anyone survived that one. But that's a good point, actually. And it kind of, that in that way, Death Proof is horror. I feel like Planet Terror is a little more obvious, where the horror is in the zombies. It's in like the violence, the possibility of getting eaten alive. Yeah. Not, not, not too much political commentary to look into, no, really. With, with I don't Planet think Terror. he made a lot of commentary on it, really. No, not really. No, it's pretty, pretty set in stone what you're getting out of it. I mean, we all love uh, the girl with the gun attached to her leg, of course. <laughs> well, see that that kind of makes me go into the next question, which is, uh, do you feel like they're feminist films in some ways because of the main character or the main characters in some cases like death proof was all female leads with the exception of Kurt Russell, who is in opposite of them. And then for planet terror, the main person is Rose McGowan. And then the other guy who's opposite her. So were they able to create a version of feminist films or were they just exploiting the women in the film? Um, I, I feel like both of these might pass the Beckel test, which is a really bare minimum. Oh, right. Yeah, it's a very bare minimum like feminist. It's got to be two female characters that talk to each other that that, are named uh, that talk about something other than men. Yeah. Does does Death Proof pass? No, not not Death Proof. Uh, Planet Terror. Which uh, which two? Well, actually, I guess it does because because of those two girls. Yeah, you got the two girls that they're having the romance on the side sort of deal but i mean i guess it's not as obvious though no i'm talking about the younger girls the sisters who are like just side characters what is this test so so there's something called the bechdel test okay and it was created by a cartoonist who originally had like kind of made it as a joke where most films will still today actually they mostly include women who don't talk about anything besides men like they don't have their own sort of um feelings about what's going on personality personalities really they're they're really only there to push the narrative for the male character forward and so what they came up with was this test where if you watch a film do 
uh, well, first of all, is there women in it? Is there two women in it? And are they named? And are they main characters? And do they talk about anything besides men? And a lot of movies fail this test, which is really simple. Like, it's like the most basic of tests. And there's a lot of films that fail it. So I don't know, actually, if it, either one. I it, think Death Proof passes for sure. Well, easy. Oh, Planet Terror passes as well, though. What? Uh, which two characters talk about stuff? The main character obviously talking about the outbreak and how, you know, she... Uh, What's it called? How she has to like deal with the situation. No, I mean, does she talk to another female character about that? No. That's that's the test, though. Oh, you have to talk to a female yeah, character? Yeah, one, uh, two girls have to talk to each other in the film about oh. something other than men. Uh, oh. That is the Bechdel test. Okay, perhaps so not. So I think well, Planet... actually, no, no, no. A minor characters talk about getting paid for babysitting. Well, see, that's what I was saying. I think those two girls kind of count, but they don't. I don't think they, they name they them. They don't though because they're t- they're also texting boys right now. Oh, that's true. Boo. Boo. So I, I guess, guess Planet you Terror. Fail. Planet Terror I Planet think Terror. fails, but I think Death Proof passes because they talk about a whole bunch of stuff while yeah. they're they're like talking about like getting cars, they're talking about like what are they going to do like are should you own a gun like Yeah, they get into like a lot of different so, topics and whatnot. So d- surprisingly Death Proof passes. Not to say that Tarantino is a misogynist, but <laughs> there are a lot of exploitation well, yeah, films. They, they do talk about their careers. Mm-hmm. They talk about yeah, stuff. A lot of set, different stuff. So there's an entire entire scene where uh, where Zoe is talking to um, uh, not 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 Dawson, but um, God damn it, what's the name of that other character? I forget. But they're just talking about it. They're arguing over whether or not you want to do ship's mast or not. Oh whether yeah, that's also another mask. thing. That's they even the make like thing. an agreement about whether or not they uh, like should do it, and then she's like, "Well, you're gonna give me a back rub for like as payment," which is really funny scene because it's Rosario Dawson and I can't remember the other girl's name, but they're like, "No, it's cool. Like I got it. Like I will be the person to give you a back rub." <laughs> and she's like, "Also, I want I want you to like put lotion on my butt." Right, well, it's really I funny. I love that. On the opposite opposite end of that, do you feel like the films were showing masculinity in a good way? Where it's like the main character in uh, Planet Terror, who's also her love interest, and then with Kurt Russell's stuntman Mike, and or the bartender, which is Quentin Tarantino, because he's pretty nice. So it's like, do you feel like they did it well, or was it more of just like, we're just going to exploit everybody in these films? Well, I mean, you also have those other two bar people who are just like, hey, if we get like two or three couple more of shots, dirt bags, <laughs> like we'll get a Jaeger shot of them now, and then we'll get them a beer later, and then yeah, then he explains his process. There's like different things. You also got the the, the creepy farmer mechanic guy. Yeah, who's who, like selling oh, the car? Who they imply that he is talking with a porn star. Yeah, and leaves, and they kind of leave their friend there, which is like <laughs> it's pretty shitty. To yeah, be honest. they l- suck for that. They like, straight up leave her there, uh, letting him assume that they might have sex. So like, there's that, <laughs> which I feel like was totally like a thing Tarantino just wanted as a funny joke. But then like you're like, oh wow, they're fucked up friends for doing that. But I mean, it so still works. It it just I mean, I think it was more negative masculinity than it was positive. For both films. I mean, that also depends on what do you consider to be positive masculinity versus negative masculinity. Uh, I would say positive would be something similar to like what the bartender was in Death Proof. Right. Where he's just nice. He's supportive. He doesn't have like a whole lot of ulterior motives for things. It's how Kurt Russell's character starts. Also how Kurt Russell characters start. And then it kind of gets changed. I mean, he explains like, oh, I go to 
you know, bars just to hang out, eat nachos, and drink soda. I guess the main character from Planet Terror does have some positive masculine traits where he wants to be the hero, and he he defers to her at some point where he understands that she's going to also fight. So in that way, he is a positive character. Yeah, he's, he's, just, the, he's just the get shit done guy. Right. Yeah, Gather everyone together, get them moving to the next point. Let's right. all survive. Come on, everyone. Well, not even that prior in the... Well, that as well. But the thing is, prior to that, he was saying, like, you're destined w- for way more than you think you're capable of. Oh, yeah, totally. He, like, supports her and is trying to tell her that she needs to do more and, like, even helps her get that crazy so, gun on her leg. I would say that's pretty positive masculinity. Yeah, that works. As, after, as, after a little more analysis... As well as, you know, him, like, you stole my fucking jacket. And she's like, what? That shit's like, so Do funny. Do you know what's in the jacket? Because I looked for it for two weeks. Right. She's like, what the fuck is it? He wanted to marry her. Yeah, he was going to ask her, and the literally the ring is in the pocket, which I still don't know how she didn't find it, but whatever, movies. <laughs> yeah, what, whatever. <laughs> yeah, it still works. Marriage wasn't a, wasn't a staple point of Planet Terror. No, it was think. not. <laughs> uh, also, there's the, stri- the strip club owner, which I forgot about. Too. yes there is a strip club owner who is a dirtbag <laughs> yeah yep and is just like i'm gonna take some of your money thank you my I mean, favorite character is the fucking butcher oh yeah who's just throwing random shit into his stew what are you saying mitch i feel like we've got like a wide berth of different types of characters in there in these both of these movies that represent different or can be representations of different views of masculinity yeah. So it's not so well. it's not entirely so it's more of like a neutral perspective I would say on these topics. All right. Did you guys have any favorite scenes or things that stuck out to you? Motorcycle scene like get on. No, 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 other side. No, 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 other side. Jumps <laughs> out just fucking do, 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 do. <laughs> hitting that shit correctly. <laughs> then she like she jumps off, does a barrel roll and is like break dancing kick killing people left and right oh with the gun on her leg yeah, yeah. that's what yeah. i'm saying that's actually that's a that's a good one you're right any of the scenes where the guy's just like i never miss oh any yeah. of those and i laughed every time i was like oh my fucking god <laughs> the this cheesiest fucking guy. of lines to yeah the for the film. Line, i never miss and then he like literally does not ever miss and <laughs> then true. there's like uh but now there will be uh two of you in this world <laughs> just like i never miss you know like but we use protection all the time i never miss oh <laughs> my god god damn it um i also uh in death proof you've got the entire like last car chase like that whole like 15 minutes of time is gold is really good mer what was your favorite scene from both movies yeah scenes i guess uh and, the motorcycle multiples. one like i said and then there was another one from planet terror ah uh, yes when he uh shows off the motorcycle and like explains how he got it because he had such great barbecue and just everything with the barbecue dude is funny because like he's just <laughs> trying to find the perfect thing for his sauce right the whole and, time the whole movie and then he gets cut in the head and he's like blood blood that that's correct blood my own blood and then he's like wait there's salt in blood i need more salt in my fucking <laughs> barbecue i mean he figures out a good solution <laughs> i think it works yeah. I like the scene when he shoots, uh, when ball collector, testicle collector, uh, shoots the the canister and all right. the gas comes out, and then all of like the dudes run through the gas and all their faces are just it's ripping melting. off their own faces. <laughs> it felt so comic book to me, and yeah. that like really set a tone for how the rest of this movie was gonna go. That's fair. 
yeah actually yeah it really did set the tone for pretty much what everything else that was gonna happen yeah and it gives you a quick explanation for why they're turning that way too so it's just like you get kind of a exposition in that moment so it works out really well uh my favorite scene from death proof was uh when the first group of girls get killed in the car because it's just ridiculous cinematography for what they did for replaying the scene to see all of them um as well as the the it's kind of a smaller scene when they're talking but how he explains that when stuntman mike talks to butterfly and he says the whole line bit that he's supposed to say to her because Jungle Julia had told them something on the radio. And it's like, if you come up to her in the bar and you say this, then she's got to give you a lap dance. And so he does do that and she doesn't want to do it. So he's like, I have a black book and explains how he has this little black book that he puts names into. And he even says it where he's like, well, you're okay in my book and writes like the name. And he's like, but I'm going to have to file you under chicken shit because she doesn't <laughs> want to do the lap dance. And so that scene was really funny to me and like completely unnecessary for the whole film. But it still was funny to watch because they're just sitting out front of this bar having a smoke talking about this stuff. But it's the first time that he actually scares her. She like feels really uncomfortable and then he even tells him that uh like he scares her in some way and then he's like is it the scar because he has like a scar on his face but either way it's a good moment to see him intimidating people and cut russell's pretty intimidating for the film another another favorite scene is the very ending where they all beat up uh mike where they all just beat up mike and it's cut really hilariously yep and that kind of like is like that's where you get it's mostly in these scenes of intense violence between like the massive sections of dialogue where you get a lot of this like that's like the grindhouse feel that you get right that exploitation feel also chick habit by april march and during the credits is a perfect song yes, to end this song to end great. death yes. proof on yeah it's such a good song and I love it. And I had to like look it up and like listen to it by myself. Oh once yeah. Afterwards, I, I you like, end up watching the whole credits because of that song because you get to hear the whole song. Yeah, it's so good. I love it. <laughs> After they've just caved this man's face in, it's yeah, so great. Exactly. Oh no, dude. Yeah, the heel. She the drops heel her cl- fucking, fucking. She lifts her leg all the way above her head and then lets just, it drop to his face and then just smashes his yeah, face. His whole in. face so caves good. in. It's great. Yeah, it's a good. You know what? That's another good ending, actually. Yeah. Yeah. It's a happy ending. Except for the first group of women, but you know. Yeah. It still it still was happening. But they were just part of the story. Right. Okay. Then I, then this really kind of gets to the end of would you guys recommend it and what would you rate it? I'd recommend both of them just for someone who's having trying to have a Yeah, you got to watch the, the you got to watch the double feature. Yeah, if you can. If not, I mean, I'd recommend Planet Terror a little bit more because you just turn your brain off and not think about it. It's good to play in the background. Uh, what is it? Uh, Death Proof is more of a slow burn into a rise. Uh, I give them, I don't know, like six or seven out of ten. Yeah. I I feel like I'd have to go with Murr on this one as well. Like about about like a seven out of ten for both of them because I think they both accomplish what they set out to do, but I feel like they're not as as good as the things that we've seen from both of these directors. So I feel like, you know, you've got Tarantino's great dialogue, but I feel like he kind of he kind of didn't really follow the grindhouse exploitation feel as much as he could have. That's true. He kind of made his own film and then just adapted it sort he of. He made a Tarantino it. film and then called it a grindhouse movie. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. That's literally yeah. what he did. Yeah, so, I, I mean, in my opinion anyway. Yeah. Uh, and then Death Proof is much closer to that grindhouse feel, but it is also a bit rushed and but that's then again, that's why I'm giving it a 7 instead of something lower because it, it's the point. 
Yeah. If that's the intent, then they, they nailed the intent easily. I think, I, uh, yeah, I think I'm somewhere around the same. I'm gonna, yeah. I would give them, I'd probably give Death Proof an 8 out of 10 and then uh, Planet Terror. Just for that writing. A 7 out of 10. I, I'm, I'm such a fucking, like, I love good writing. Yeah. And I think his dialogue is, like, exactly where it should be, even though people don't like those extended scenes. Mm-hmm. They don't really like all of the long dialogue because it feels weird and, like, you have to sit through all of it. But either way, it works out, and I think I would recommend it. And definitely watch it how you're supposed to. So watch. I think it's Planet Terror first, right? Mer. It's Planet Terror. Is it Planet Terror first? Planet Terror. Planet Terror first, the trailers, and then Death Proof. Yeah, so watch it in that sequence, and that'll be the best way to watch those films. Totally also, don't skimp out on the trailers. No, Thanks. watch trailers the trailers. are amazing. They're so fucking funny. Yeah, the Thanksgiving trailer, you've got the, the machete. Right. trailer you've got um the precursor to hobo with a shotgun hell yeah yep. which we also need to do an episode on because i love literally i love do hobo it. with a shotgun oh my fucking god rucker yeah. howard did that role so well so good <laughs> we'll, we'll do hobo with a shotgun we'll do machete we'll do um what was the other one there's one more we were talking about i don't know we'll, one of those we'll end up uh, doing. wait the like the women werewolves of the ss <laughs> That trailer is fucking ridiculous. Yeah, it's fucking, it's weird, and it's like directed by Rob Zombie, yeah. <laughs> starring his wife. And it's like it's it's a really funny movie. Don't right? No, it's definitely go watch all of them. It's they're enjoyable in their own ways, and definitely cult classics. And you, if you've liked all the other films, you'll like this one as well. Much less serious than the ones we've talked about recently, which is why I feel like we definitely had to do the Grindhouse to go back to some of those cultist vibes, and it works out really well. And to help keep our namesake as bringing down the grindhouse. Right. Yeah, exactly. We originally started with the intention of talking about why these films are important to horror. And in this case, these are paying homage to old horror films. And that's what they did with this. So they went as far as to damage some of their film to make it look a certain way. And I think that's definitely cool to add into the whole horror genre. They're just trying to help the conversation like, hey, this is an exploitation film. Yeah. We have famous Hollywood directors doing it. We grew up on this shit. If that's cool, you should check out what we grew up on. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, that pretty much brings us to the end of it. And I just wanted to remind everyone that we're really easy to find on all of the streaming services. So we're on all the main ones. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple um, Podcasts as well as Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio as well as SoundCloud. And then there's smaller ones like Stitcher and CastBox that we are also on. And you can find us on all of our social medias. So it's going to be BDTGH underscore podcast. And we have a link to our website where you can actually listen to all the episodes in there. And if you could leave us a review on the Apple podcast, gives us a higher rating and we're easier to see on the website as well. Um, But thank you so much for coming out to talk about this with us. Thank you so much for listening to bringing down the grindhouse. Everyone that does, you know, it means a lot. We put a lot of effort into this. Yes, it does. As I said before, and uh, that's, that's all I've got to say. Thank you to our fans. I'm Mitch. I'm Eric. And I'm Jonathan. Thank you. 